Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're listening to Float Our Founder. I'm Samantha Lloyd. I'm here with my co-host, Liza and Casey. Hello everyone. And we're here today with Edwin Frondonzo. Am I saying that correctly? Frondozo, yes. Frondozo. Um, and he is, of course, the host of the Business Leadership Podcast. So we're going to ask him a lot of questions. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm always geeked out to... to be with other podcasters so i'm super excited about <laughs> this, this. Is super meta <laughs> I, love, I love the podcast section of it all yeah, exactly pod- exactly <laughs> so um i guess to uh start off uh let's talk about the business leadership podcast what is it what inspired you to start it yeah so long story no maybe it's not a long story but the podcast itself came about when my daughter was about six months old and at the time i was just doing a lot of personal development I was reading a lot I was that year I was trying to learn how to speed read so I could try to read as much as I can and one of the books at the near the end of the year this was 2016 end of 2016 I read a book uh, called how to live a good life by Jonathan Fields so I'm not sure if anyone out there listening knows it but he's from New York um, very um, service-based type business uh, owner but if you read personal development books, some of them actually have exercises, right? Um, and I never used to do exercises, but there was one that was hitting a tone. It could have been timing, anything. Um, and the exercise was, what's your killer app? So in a nutshell is, what do people know you about? What do they think about you? And, and what comes to mind? And the idea was to actually email all your friends, colleagues, business partners, customers, clients, anyone, and ask them, What's, your, what's my killer app? What do you think of when you think of me? And I did it. It was scary. You think about who you're going to write, who you're going to send to. You're going to write this little email. And first off, I did it, which was super scary just to press send. Um, the people you think are actually going to reply, they don't. <laughs> and the people who are the, so maybe the outliers or people who you've met recently or maybe didn't come to mind, but they were on your list, they provide the longest response feedback analysis and some of the things that were coming back was Edwin you're trustworthy you're knowledgeable you're networked you're a connector so a lot of those things was pretty evident in a lot of the responses that came back I got interviewed on a podcast so maybe those are the two catalysts what had what had happened and then the new year came and I was like oh I'm gonna do a podcast I'm gonna do one on something I'm passionate about but I was also thinking about how what can I do for slingshot to increase revenue like we've tried everything we've done trade shows we've done digital marketing we've done but slingshot voip it's a telecommunication service um so it's already commoditized it's like a commodity product for businesses um um, so when i looked about doing a podcast i'm like oh i can't do something passionate i've got to figure out an roi into my business so i looked at my biggest customers the ones that were paying me thousand bucks a month or so um and they all were all word of mouth. All of them were word of mouth. I have a lot of smaller clients. Maybe they signed up online, whatever. But the biggest customers were word of mouth. So I looked at their profile. If they were not the entrepreneur, they were someone 
who became into a manager or middle management or executive, someone who was new to the role. And when you're new to a role, you either increase your company profits by making more money or saving money. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do something on podcasts on transformational leaders. So I had like the transformational leadership show and I was playing around with that. And, and ultimately I landed on the business leadership podcast. Uh, so that's sort of the idea came from. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, do, do you find it difficult to balance running your own business with uh, having a family? I mean, that's a great question. One that I'm always intrigued about, I find I have found a good balance and, and it's not even balance. To me, I always tell people this is my life and what do I want to include in my life? Do I want to include happy family, happy wife? Or do I want to look for super success? And one thing people don't realize or may not know about me is I've been an entrepreneur almost 15 years. So I've been on the hustle. I've been on the grind, consulting, doing gigs, having amazing years, having terrible years. Um, but ultimately, finding maybe success, maybe happiness is not tied to revenue. It's not tied to this. So what, what is happy? Happy is being able to unplug and not work or being able to do what you like and meeting people and and going to my bringing my daughter to daycare every morning and being with them every evening so defining that type of stuff so balancing was is a decision of what i want um and what defines happiness and and it could have been from a lot of the failures or a lot of the shortcomings when it came to some of my businesses or some of the goals that i had had but ultimately it's being okay with it and, and where it's happening. So if you were to ask a lot of my friends, my, my network, my circle, they sometimes tell me, Edwin, you're the most balanced person, most relaxed person in the world. Like, why is that? And I think it's just coming to terms with success is like mm-hmm. this balance that you say. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's personal, I guess. Success is personal for everyone. And it's yeah. personal. And at the end of the day, when you do look back, it is comes down, and these are my beliefs, is with the relationships around you were they happy like were they good you know do they have good memories of you and and being in the present with people like like you folks here and just like just being here 100 percent. and i think yeah. that's super important and have you found that um from like the business leaders that you've interviewed that that's kind of a consistent thing amongst like successful or happy people i think there are a real understanding that businesses really one part of your life and if you are running a successful balanced life you're eating healthy you have a family life it might turn into a happy business too your management style is good because you're valuing these people your employees as people and you understand that they have families and lives so the most successful business leaders yes they they have a pretty well round pretty well rounded life and they understand these are different buckets you know, if one gets empty, something's going to be wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. So if the business is wrong, okay, maybe it might be wrong, but how, how else do you fill these buckets and stuff like that? So I'm um, not even sure if I was answering the question, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah I, think, I think ultimately there's, you know, a lot of these business leaders. A recent interview I just had, uh, it's, it'll come out with Jeff Ruby, uh, maybe when this airs, I'm not sure. But, I mean, he was talking about, and his business it was a tech business within the health side and it's all about changing habits of employees mm. so yeah so it's like how do you you know if, even though you work out in the morning 
sitting eight hours is probably not healthy. Yeah. It's probably like just like <laughs> you shouldn't even work out. Like it's it's totally yeah, doing so, any one thing for eight hours. Yeah, it's just not, not good. Exactly. <laughs> Which is crazy because Jeff, his whole his desk is is on a treadmill. So he walks the whole day. Oh, that's really Whoa. cool. <laughs> and he's just like and I asked him in the interview, he's like, So what's your biggest hike? He's like, honestly, just moving all day because I move, I'm healthy, my brain is healthy, I never need coffee in the afternoon. I have oh energy. God. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> amazing. I never thought about that. That's really And I mean, he's not running, right? It's just like just regular walk. pace walk. Yeah, just regular, yeah. So ultimately, and, and, and what you find is a lot of these people are like, okay, let's have a, let's let's walk. Let's, like, we should have podcasts, walking podcasts. We're walking instead. <laughs> I'd be out of right? breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're not running, right? So, but ultimately, it's finding that and, uh, and understanding that yeah that's cool that's really um, cool what would you say is your favorite thing about uh running your own business and what's your least favorite thing favorite thing is like just designing life design like i mean it's it's ultimately knowing that everything i do each day i chose this life and and knowing that you know whatever you put into it is really what you get out of it so and it's funny because that's probably the worst thing too right because you could really pressure yourself like oh i could be doing more i could be doing this and like i said i've been an entrepreneur long enough that i'll take i'll schedule a whole day off for myself because that's why i became an entrepreneur i did <laughs> yeah. because you know you have these dreams back in the day like oh when i'm an entrepreneur i'm gonna have all this money <laughs> and i'm gonna could do this but you could do it anyways without all this money it could just a matter of like just really letting go um but ultimately for me it's 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 just living life really by your own rules um but what comes with it is understanding when those rules aren't working for you anymore or realizing that maybe one business is a maybe not as successful or not not as profitable or not as it um satisfaction in, in terms of the work like when i found podcasting i ultimately fell in love with it just meeting people, learning. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate like learning tool that I have as well. Yes, yeah. 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 Learning, networking, getting to meet so many people is the best part. And it's great. And and you guys are learning this is sharing this. Yeah. yeah. Right. And ultimately, like, I mean, you're you're just taking in so much, and it's it's so great. I I, I love it. So it's like, how did I come here too? Right. Yeah. And it's been a long journey. So it's maybe it's the calling. I'm not sure yet. Very cool. And you started, as you said, like as an entrepreneur 15 years ago. Can you talk about the beginning of that journey? Well, the beginning seems so long ago now. Um, but I, uh, I mean, the super, super beginning. <laughs> like, I, I used to work for Nortel, so this will age me. A lot of people, when they look at me, they don't think I'm that old. But uh, I used to work for Nortel in the first internet bubble. Um, as an intern but then in 2000 2001 this was the biggest internet company one of the biggest tech companies in the world Canadian started laying people off um, and I was like I don't know 24 25 they gave me like almost a year salary and I'm like oh see you later buddies <laughs> take off good travel <laughs> and then a couple of friends of mine came back from their world trip and uh we started a company at the time this is so this is even more than 15 years ago but we were so young and we were like thinking okay, the next big thing is going to be wireless, Wi-Fi. So this is literally 18, no, this is like 16, 17 years ago. And it's very hard to understand, but there was no Wi-Fi anywhere yet. 
So you, there was no Starbucks, go work anywhere. No one had this yet. <laughs> Only some people were buying wireless routers for the house because it was very new and it was super expensive. But our idea was because we were coming from this enterprise world was that, oh, wireless is going to be big. Why don't we think about how it's going to be implemented in condos and, and um, apartment buildings? So that was our idea. We're like, okay, we're going to sell to condo unit, condo management companies because they're going to want a revenue stream and everyone's going to want internet, wireless internet. Um, long story short, we did that for about a year and a half. We did trade shows. We, you know, we had this demo. We were spending so much money on all this equipment and these wireless network stuff. No one had this stuff. And we just couldn't close a deal. We were young. Like, we, uh, who knows? Like, how do you install infrastructure in this building and do wireless? Um, and we're young, so we want to go party. We want to go date women. We wanted to, like, so we didn't have money. Yeah. So ultimately, <laughs> all, all of us all ended up getting a job. I ended up working at IBM. Um, first time in the sales, sales role. It was a call center. Um, didn't stay there long. Maybe a year, year and a half. Then I got a outside sales job in a smaller telecom company um, but what had happened there was the owners realized that I was very entrepreneurial so like oh Edwin you keep selling this stuff and I sold them their biggest first voice over IP enterprise deal in the company but they're like oh can you help us start this business and so now I'm like doing cold calls for them and I'm trying to make this business go and it was like a wholesale business mm -hmm. and I'm like oh this is cool and then I learned about voice for IP and all this open source world. And my partner from that first business I told you about, I, said, I pitched him like, hey, I think I got an idea we could run with. And that was probably the start of, the, and then 2005, I left that job. I went, I went to Europe and when I came back, I, I never got a job again. Very cool. And um, so you were a huge help to us when we were starting the podcast. Uh, you did a call and gave uh, me a lot of information because we were clueless. <laughs> um, what was the process of starting your podcast? I think it was similar to what you what you had done. So I, I described that those two catalysts that happened. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I reached out to my network. I said, hey, who do you know who's a podcaster? Um, I interviewed maybe three to six people. And just to get the idea, um, and I think you asked the same questions, like what's the greatest thing, what's the toughest thing? Yeah. And people was very open to share, which was really cool. Um, everyone said the networking is great. Uh, you know, knowing these people, it's fun. Well, what a lot of people didn't tell, and I might have told you this, was it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So no one really, really said that to me. So I really emphasize this to people who asked me. I was like, well... Can you picture yourself doing this for a year mm -hmm. every week? It's hard to imagine, but it, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, so that was my process. I did that when I had decided I'm going to do it. Literally, this was end of January. I put an end date of I'm going to launch March 26th. I think it was March 26th or March 27th. And literally by the beginning of March, I had five episodes recorded already. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna launch now. Like I was, I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. But I, I, I calmed down and I'm like, okay, just launch like I learned to do it properly. And, and I launched the day I, I actually wrote down, I'm gonna launch this date. So that's how I did it. It is a ton of work. I've had a couple people now ask me about it and um, I tell them, I'm like, it's great. But like, can you work your nine to five and then go and do this in your evenings and then spend your weekends editing and doing the website and everything like that? 
but yeah. um, so far we've we found it worth it but it's just it is a lot and for those who are listening and thinking about podcasts it's the beginning that and the learning that mm-hmm. will take a while once you get into the groove of it you get a routine you'll get a, a pattern, you'll, yeah. yeah you'll get a routine um, and I'm, I'm, I'm already doing this now and I'm looking to teach more people how to help you build that routine and, and even outsource right yeah um, because ultimately the fun part is the interviewing yes maybe the researching um, I never edited from the start because I knew I would be like oh no I could hear myself say oh, yeah. this oh that's oh, me I could... <laughs> <laughs> going over like every little like um being like a scrub that so out. <laughs> I do that actually true, real true story for my intros and my mid roll and my outros I go through it and it already takes me long yeah. so imagine myself going through the interview I'm like ah yeah. forget it <laughs> no it's, it is a lot to go through the editing that is what I want to outsource <laughs> yeah yeah um, who, who is the ideal podcast listener and how do you engage with them so the idea for, for myself, I think, I mean, I know my demographics, but when I was thinking about it, it, was, it wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur at the point, but I was thinking I had this person in mind that wanted to get insights from these executives. You know, they saw themselves as an executive or a successful entrepreneur, and they didn't want to just hear the journey or the story of the success but more like the day-to-day operations like Mm -hmm. that was my ideal person as i launched um but what had happened is it's a split now i get a lot of entrepreneurs listening because i do have these c-levels who are the entrepreneurs as well and maybe they have five thousand employees but they still ultimately had a founder's journey yeah but i still try to keep it as more managerial you know how do you talk about culture how do you deal with multinational offices and stuff like that um but yeah now it's a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and, and then when i do have big c-levels or big companies a lot of people from their company starts listening and they're like, oh, this person's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> they're not just the head of our company. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. That's cool. Do you have a favorite episode? <laughs> oh, man, it's a great question. One of my, one of my favorite episodes is probably my fifth episode. I think it's number five. It was a gentleman named Hamza Tarani. What's up, Hamza, if you ever listen to this? <laughs> At the time, he was the first... I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Uh, he was the first CEO who said yes to me. Oh, that's awesome. So, and, you know, he's running $2 billion revenue business, whatever, like huge. Um, and he shared, you know, if I could get insights like this all the time from executives, it would be amazing. Because I remember I asked him what he did to learn how to grow. I forgot the specific questions. I should look at the questions I asked. I had asked him was, but what he shared was like, when he realized that he could solve business problems with technology, um, he could provide more value to the business. So what he did was he interviewed all the directors or all his second line bosses, or the people above him, and basically said, hey, what are your goals this year and how can I help you? And I was just like, this is gold. Like, Because if I knew this as an employee, I would interview all my little managers because whether they had a project to give him or not, he's already on the map. Yeah. Like, what, what young kid is going to come in and ask me, what's my goal? 
like instead of looking oh well you know me coming in saying this is what i want mm -hmm. he went in and says what what do you want yeah and how can i help you so he had done that and he eventually you know so put on the map he grew and then he went to this company and funny enough about a year ago um he's the cto of mlse sports now so oh, he's doing cool. that whole digital transformation of uh, you know like e-gaming e-sports and and if you're listening to Toronto, we're doing pretty good in the sports scene as well. I've interviewed Seth Goat, and he's he's amazing. If you follow him, but but that's great. Cool. Uh, what are some of the most important lessons you learned from interviewing your guests? First off, press record. <laughs> um, no, all jokes aside, lessons I learned is ultimately like everyone is just. You know, when you start a podcast, you see you, you you sort of put people on pedestals, right? And then the more and more you get there, the more and more you realize we're all. It's funny to say because this is just like common sense, but they're all people, mm -hmm. and they all have families, and they all have this and that. Um, um, in terms of the lessons, it's all about that. Like every every amazing business leader, they're all really empathetic. They really understand. They want to help everyone be successful they realize it's not them it's their people so th those are super lessons in terms of that's across the board but i don't, I don't know what's the what's the main lesson i mean i i need to put together all the books because i asked what everyone's reading so i have a lot of book i have a book list of what i know it's sort of the top five books that all of them to say yeah and then there's always like some outliers um but but that's that's ultimately it i mean they're all about working for their people Alrighty, that's awesome. Um, any additional podcast questions from you? Um, yeah, so like, if from everything you learn about podcasting, if you went back with all the knowledge uh, that you have today, like, what would you do differently, if anything? I'd probably look to monetize sooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. We were wondering the same thing. Kyle uh, has. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, wondering the same thing, and like regarding with regard to sponsors, and what's the best way to get sponsors, and how do you find sponsors that also like jive with with your message? Well, that, I mean that's an ongoing game, um, but when I decided to do it, it was about a year in, and you know I was like, okay, I don't, I don't need because my idea was to to ROI through Slingshot. But that didn't ultimately happen. The brand started growing bigger, so there was no no return on investment back to Slingshot. So I had to figure out how do I monetize it. And someone said to me, Edwin, there's going to be nothing taking away from you and your brand if you have sponsors. Because I was thinking, you know, I don't, I don't want to cheapen my brand. I don't, mm -hmm. whatever excuses I had at the time. Um, how I went about getting sponsors initially was I went to my network. So because I'm really connected in the startup tech scene in Toronto and a little bit of Canada. So I, I had the Seth Godin episode recorded. So mm -hmm. it was episode 50. So I was pitching to everyone. I says, hey, who wants Milestone episode 50 with Seth Godin? It's going to be evergreen. It's going to go on forever. Like I s still see downloads all day, right? Yeah. Um, so that was one way I did it. Once I started getting that, you know, I was able to, some people reached out to me and says, hey, we'd love to work with you and stuff like that. But the crazy thing is once I, this year, getting sponsors and I switched my hat, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do BD, I'm gonna get more sponsors. But it, it didn't work out that way. I think it works out more organically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it's, 
it's a hit and miss, I think. And I'm still, I haven't solved it all. I'm still, everything is still paid for a bit, but ultimately you're always looking for a longer term uh, partnership. And what's what is what I'm doing now. Um, so the people I talk with now in the organization is like, yeah, I only do three months minimums. Yeah. Like I'm not doing anything less because I was doing like three episodes, which I tell them now, it's like three episodes. Like, what are you hoping for with three episodes? Yeah. Like, it's no fun for anyone. Um, for advertisers, like the long term, like as someone who works at a place where we invest in podcasts, like the longer term you're invested in it, the return is just there. Like, you can't just do three episodes. No one's even going to pay attention to your message. It has to be a long term. That's investment. right. So and I, I learned that hard way, right? Because ultimately before I was like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy to take three months, see three, three episodes of like, Phew, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that there's other revenues too, which which I'm thinking about, and you guys might run into this sooner or later. Is uh, people will pay for their their executives to be on yeah my podcast so. yeah which would be but cool. I have to say no if it doesn't make sense to me for sure. mm-hmm. or or if yeah. they want it to be too scripted or something like that oh my god I tell them yeah I'll say yes but I'm writing the script mm-hmm. still like yeah yeah so. But yeah, so those are those are just coming up now. I didn't, I've never looked for those, but I'm getting approached by that now. That's really cool. Yeah, um, I do want to talk about because your podcast is award winning. How did that feel to win your first awards for it? And you've won uh, since 2017, right? Every single year, something. So if you can talk about that. Yeah, winning awards is funny to me um, because if you get to know me. Um, I mean, we are getting to know, but in terms of the personal level, I'm always, I'm very humble. I'm really always about you and your customers. So going out for these things is really already out outside of me um, in terms of, I would say, not my comfort level, because being a podcaster, you really have to be out there. But now I'm saying, hey, look at me, like, you know, vote for me, do this and do mm-hmm. that. Um, so it was a little scary to do it. Um, there was two before the last one. So the very first one was by the Canadian Online Publishing Award. So this was by COPA. This is all like media. So CBC, CT, the, all these people are there. Mm-hmm. I might have won because I, there weren't too many podcasters at the time that went into the business. So it was kind of cool. And that was awarded by people in industry so I got voted and that was cool and I got to celebrate that so the feeling of celebration and recognition is huge but the best award I won was the notable award which Mm -hmm. was last year um, 2018 because you actually have to get people to vote so that's sort of the power of who you are or your network or what people believe in yeah so that one was that recognition when I let the emotions come in was like, oh my god, this is. This your is, fans are very. Dedicated. Yeah, you got something. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have something. What you're doing, the hard work. Because sometimes you're like, oh, what's the what's the use? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's way more important to have a few returning customers than many customers that don't come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, it's like, I mean, it's not only a passion project. And, and so I spoke at a couple of uh, schools, like, um, like it's. Content is still important, um, really important in marketing. And I, I, I just spoke at the Centennial College, uh, the content creation is what I was saying. Is, uh, and I, I believe, although you, we're not videotaping here, um, podcasting is like a gold mine of content. Mm-hmm. Like, 
if we had video right now, like we could create so much yeah. content. But without the video, and I don't do video, mm-hmm. we still have so much content. Yeah. Like I'm touching like 20%. Like I could be creating so much content right now. Yeah. It's nuts. All right, so we'll do the rapid fire questions. Do you want to do the first chunk sure. this time and I do the second? Uh, what is your favorite thing about Toronto? Just being born and raised. <laughs> um, I love Toronto. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> We've been to a lot of places and Toronto is like Toronto's yes. our favorite. Um, what's, uh, what's your favorite street in Toronto? Favorite street in Toronto, I would say right now would probably be Queen West. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Uh, how do you start your day? Right now, um, with my daughter, and then I, if I wake up before my daughter, I'll do like a morning routine. Like I have like quick meditation, quick read. Um, but mostly, it's changed a bit because when my wife went back to work, which she works at Starbucks, so I do the whole morning. Like it depends what happens. Yeah. It's so funny that you say the meditation because every person we've interviewed so far has started the day with meditation. I yeah. feel like I one. should be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a great it's a great practice, um, but I have to get up super early if I want to get my full morning routine out. And I sl- I've been sleeping later than I want to, so I, it's okay. I don't get to it yeah. all the time. You need yeah. sleep. Yeah. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. What's your favorite coffee? brand or if, is there one that you specifically like or or whatever's available so i have an espresso maker so i use lavaza coffee uh, what's your favorite podcast to listen to right now i listen to freakonomics mm-hmm. i listen to seth godin's akimbi i forgot how to say it and the, the latest one i started listening to is hardcore history with oh, dan okay. carlin it's nuts that one it's like four hour episodes oh my oh. god <laughs> <laughs> it's um, and what is uh, what's your favorite thing to do to relax that's a great question um, I go to AGO a lot what's the your favorite place you've traveled to I mean I love Slovakia my wife's from there but probably my fa- <laughs> my favorite place it's probably Hungary Budapest oh Oh, cool. Yeah, which um, is the neighbor of Slovakia, so I won't get in trouble <laughs> so with that. So it's still, still good. <laughs> um, that's cool. If you couldn't live in Toronto, where else in the world would you choose to live? Oh, that's a great question. Barcelona, maybe. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I like Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. I would probably say Rome. A good friend of mine just moved there. Not just, but recently. Um, who was your favorite teacher in your life? Donna Brzezidis. And she was one of the teachers who took me aside because I was sort of like, I was one of those bored kids that wasn't challenged in high school. So I think she took me aside and uh, told me I should put more effort in myself. Um, not that I knew what was happening at the time, but years later, I went back and I wrote her. Actually, one exercise was like, who, who do you think of? I wrote her a letter and said thank you for that. I don't know if she ever got it, but. Oh, that's awesome. I hope she got it. (laughs) And um, what's your favorite or go-to app on your phone? Go-to app at the moment? Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if it's not social media, uh, what what am I using right now? It's my podcast app right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, what is the last TV show you binged? Binged? Yeah. Man, you're asking a parent... 
<laughs> or glanced at. <laughs> well, I mean, right now I'm up to speed on uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. But oh, okay. If so, binging in my world is like two or three episodes. Like that, yeah. that, that's as much as I could get in. So I I, I watched that Formula One. Uh, series on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's Very really cool. cool. Yeah, check that out. I, have you, I saw the movie Rush. I don't know if you've seen it. it yeah. Really, really good. So Formula One is super fascinating. So uh, it's all about these teams. There's only 20 drivers, and they talk about all the teams, but it, they're not doing this from the 2018 um, season. But they're not doing the top teams like uh, Mercedes or Ferrari. It's all about the like all the rest of the oh, teams really and all the drama and the it's it's amazing. Is it like a reality show? Yeah, it's like uh, they follow them and they oh, and they talk about what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And um, the last book you read? But I'm reading the Four Agree- Four Agreements right now. What's that one? I just started reading it today. It's 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 an older book about like the first agreement is like your language, like your your what your word is, mm-hmm. whatever you say is powerful. So be be wary of the language you say or you oh, put okay. out there. So that's what I'm reading. Very cool. Um, and what's the number one skill that you rely on uh, to succeed? My communications, eye contact. I'm learning more and more. That's sort of. I may th- think that it's natural, but it's something that, I mean, it's natural to me, but it's a hard skill to learn. Yeah. 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 And um, who is the coolest person you've ever met? Coolest person I've ever met? Oh, Tony Hawk. Ooh, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hawk. And um, what was your very first job? Very first job, I mean, first, first job, but I think it was sort of like helped by my parents was probably newspaper route but first job where i you know clocked in and clocked out was uh, was at a restaurant very cool all righty those are all of our questions um everyone go listen to the business leadership podcast you'll get awesome tips and actionable tips too um that you can apply to your career well thanks for thanks for having me guys thank you so much for hosting us here at the um, center for social innovation in toronto and uh yeah for letting us interview you (laughs) and it was great it was my pleasure we wanted to thank you so much for coming in we had such a great time interviewing you for floater founder and thank you so much to our listeners we are so excited to share more founder stories with you until Until next time. time